Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And don't you dare tell me that you don't have your holiday shopping done. It's too late, okay? You know, it's, that's the way it goes. It's unfortunate, but go shopping the day after Christmas, you'll be fine. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Boy, are we close to Christmas or what, huh? We've yeah, got to, well, depending yeah. on when you're listening to this. Uh, said, yeah, you're, what, two days off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we are uh, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online. You can visit them online at adage.com, the advertising show. A copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Heck, if you want to, you can go ahead and, and uh, package this show up as, as a podcast and, and put that in an envelope. <laughs> That's send, true. And send it off for Christmas. Anyway, good to be here with you, Ray and Brad, on the advertising show. We've got Alex Ben Block with us this weekend again. Alex is the, uh, well, he's the guru, the guy that knows everything. He's the, uh, he's the variety, although we won't use that publication's terms. We, he is basically the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. He's an entertainment industry journalist, an author, a broadcaster, and show business historian, and a regular here on The Advertising Show. We Last week we looked at uh, uh, the movie industry, all of the great movies uh, that are coming out this holiday season. And one, I have to get in a plug for uh, uh, parental guidance, Brad, because I am so proud, so proud. This is like a grandkid of ours. Mm. Uh, uh, Joshua Rush is a, is a child actor, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching the Today Show, and I'm and I'm looking at the screen, and I'm going, my God, you know, they had Billy Crystal and uh, Bette Midler, and I'm looking, I'm going, that's Josh, and then hmm. I then I remembered that he was going to be in that movie, so I want you to know that this is a proud pseudo grandparent of Joshua Rush with beaming broad smile here watching this movie come to fruition this kid is so talented and so good and i'm so happy for he and he and his family took a a leap of faith and and went out to la and they have just pursued and uh, done this so successfully so to the uh, joshua rush crowd to uh to to berate his 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 mom and his dad uh congratulations guys you did good uh, anyway, hmm. so that's my plug for parental uh, guidance. And look for Joshua Rush. He's pretty cool. So, and from the uh, the promos or the rushes, or well, not rushes, but the trailer, I guess. Yes. It's not really even a trailer. It's the thing they show during the uh, appearance when they're on Today's Show or Tonight Show, yeah. Letterman, right. whatever. I think I saw one of those stars, I believe it was uh, on Letterman, and he showed a little bit of that program of that movie i should say yes. and it looks very entertaining have you had a chance to see it yet uh no i haven't and uh it, well it's actually coming out on christmas oh so day it's not so even- yeah it'll be coming out here uh, this coming week uh, as the show airs so uh no i haven't but uh I, i'm excited again and i'm yeah so enough said for that though but congratulations guys well good for you uh and you know if i were to say do no evil that company that comes to mind that always said that's our philosophy, that's our whole deal, that's what we want to be known for, do no evil, mm-hmm. that's Google, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, apparently Google has avoided about $2 billion in worldwide income taxes in 2011 <laughs> by shifting $9.8 billion in revenues into a Bermuda shell company. Well, sure, almost, we all should. Almost double the total from three years before the move, which allowed Google to cut its tax rate almost in half, uh, is, is what? Is, is do no evil? Uh, no, or, it's called the shell game. That's the shell know, game. I don't know, but does that come out of the category of do no evil? Is no, that evil? They, they weren't paying attention there. They they just kind of ignored They They set that aside. It doesn't matter, you know. Of course, the truth is, and I've heard this before in a lot of different categories, when you see people doing something that on the outside may look a little shady, truth is, I'm going to speak on their behalf because they're a big company. Mm-hmm. They're probably just working within the IRS tax code by doing that. Sure. And obviously, if there was something wrong with it criminally, they would get, uh, you know, they'd find themselves in, in, in hot water. So apparently, you know, it's legal to do that or they wouldn't do it. And it certainly wouldn't be all out in the news there. So maybe we need to take a look at our tax code. That's true, and I'd like to. I'd like them to donate uh, some of that ten billion uh, to Google AdWords. Uh, just split them up uh, between some of the clients. Uh, you know, a, a couple million at a time or something like that. It, that would be a fair return on investment, wouldn't it? Yes. It would. And that would get you a little bit of your business because I know you work with some of those clients, right? Yeah, we do. Not as much as we used to because Google had gotten into the uh, uh, remnant uh, advertising business, and they are. No longer as involved in that, but the, but it's funny. But we still get uh, we still get a lot of clients uh, that, that come our way that were a part of that uh, uh, stage of Google. So yes, it's a good thing. But uh, mm. there you go. Enjoy your enjoy your weekend in Bermuda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know they're ta- they've talked about, and I guess we'll uh, hear about it. The closing of loopholes, tax loopholes. Uh, every year, it's talked about going to a flat tax. All of that. This is the advertising show, so we're not going to talk about all that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine with me. What do you think, Brad, about the uh, state of advertising? As it, it's been a really interesting year. You know, re- revenues were down in some aspects for radio, for instance. The political didn't add up for radio like it was supposed to, and a lot of it's going in different directions. And digital is supposed to what uh, outspend outdoor now. I guess that's why Clear Channel is going with digital outdoor boards to kind of quell that uh, you know that wave. But well, what's your what's your take on advertising as it relates to 2012? Well, oh yeah, it seemed like uh, the political. Uh, dollars went primarily to television. In years past, radio was used much more uh, to a much greater degree. So, yeah, radio lost out this year. So the death of television, I think, is uh, a misnomer. And obviously, you know, certainly even the broadcast networks in particular, mm-hmm. they were supposed to be so adversely impacted by uh by a cable is maybe not what we all thought it would be or has not been to the degree some had concerned themselves with digital. Uh, I think the jury's still out, you know, to be frank with you in terms of the effectiveness of digital uh, digital as it relates to uh, brand advertising versus call to action, direct response type advertising. I think it's still being sorted out. I think if you were to lean one direction, you'd think that maybe direct response might be a, a better way to go as opposed to brand advertising as it relates to digital. Hmm. But I will say this. Uh, uh, I'm going to make this up so that I don't divulge what the situation was, but 
my wife had a medical issue, nothing major, very minor. And I went online and I searched for it. I'll, I'll make it up and I'll say it was, you know, back trouble. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. But let's say it was. All right. And I was looking at some remedies for that. And then I went in and said, okay, here, I printed some stuff out for you. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. All the email spam and on my various uh, searches, on the <laughs> ads that accompany my searches, they all think I got bad back trouble. Well, of course you do. Well, and it's kind of funny because there's two issues I want to make. One, or points. One, if you do a search on behalf of somebody else, Google thinks that it's you. Yeah. And that's not always going to be the case. And secondly, a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, when you do your own searching, Google begins to customize the results according to what they see is your activity online. So in other words, sure. my Google results for a common topic, uh, placement one, two, three, four, five, would not be the same one, two, three, four, five for you, Ray. But yet right. people think that if they do a search for a particular category, that the one through 10 results are the same thing everybody's getting. And I say that to you, if you go out and Google yourself or your company, Right. And say, my goodness, look look how high of a rating my company has. Well, it's because you're sitting at your own computer. Yeah. And you've been checking your own website. Right. And you and they see that it's you know, you have an interest in a particular category that's relative to your own company, and so it's gonna give you a misleading result that you think that maybe everybody else has the same uh, search results and they don't. A lot yeah. of people don't think that. No, and it's yeah, it's interesting how, how Google works. You're absolutely right, and how confused it might become uh, because it doesn't have that uh, thorough DNA processing power. But I assume as we move into the new year, it'll happen. It'll work that out. It'll be you know yeah, it's going to know when you went to the bathroom and what you did. That's yeah. a scary Big Brother kind of thing to say, but I don't see any other way that we're not headed in that direction. And, of God course, help it's, our the holiday. it's the holidays, Ray, so when I go out and overeat a little bit, I wake up the next morning and open my email, and there's a bunch of spam that says belly fat, and I'm going, how do they know? <laughs> they know? Just last night. Yeah, I didn't it's mean crazy. to. Yeah, get, get, lower your body mass. Uh, the Internet's following me. It, it is following you. Yes, it is. And we're following... Jeremy Kent. And a little bit later here, Alex Benblock on The Advertising Show. Thanks so much for listening. Hello and welcome to a festive London for the European News Desk. This week, Clear Channel panels the UK, Microsoft goes outdoor, and the top 10 ads of 2012. Clear Channel has rolled out what it describes as the UK's first national permanent high street mobile platform for outdoor media. If you're wondering what that is, it's 10,000 digital roadside panels. And each of those panels is near-field communications and QR code enabled. Predominantly located on high streets and town centres, the new network is the largest permanent mobile platform in the UK, offering interactive content, social media integration and real-time content updates. Consumers will be able to download vouchers and promotions via their smartphones. Staying outdoors, Microsoft has just announced its biggest ever interactive digital outdoor campaign to promote its new Windows Phone. The two-week campaign allows people walking past interactive screens to design personalised start screens for the Windows Phone featuring their own names and photos. The information gathered will then be used as the creative for a nationwide outdoor campaign. The top five most popular ads viewed on YouTube in the UK during 2012 were Honda Spark by Wyden and Kennedy, Peugeot Non-Stop by Initials Marketing, 
Durex Vinyl by EuroRSCG, O2 Pay and Go by VCCP, Compare the Market Polka Band again by VCCP. They're all worth a look and so too is the commercial that came in at number 10 for Turner Benelux entitled A Dramatic Surprise on a Quiet Square. Check it out. This is Jeremy Kent at the European News Desk wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. Well, last week we took you to the movies. This week we take you to the smaller screen, but just as an important place as it relates to the entertainment industry with uh, senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, Alex Ben Block. Alex, good to have you back this week. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, great show last week, uh, moving from the big screen to the small screen. Uh, And before we do that, NBC recently announced, I don't know if you heard this, Alex, that Comcast has found a new perch for NBC's Peacock. They came out with a new logo and included the uh, the well-known peacock in, in the uh, corporate logo. Nice of them to do that, I suppose, since yeah, most really. consumers would be hard-pressed to recognize the Comcast logo, but certainly <laughs> a, lot, a lot of uh, really? association and brand uh, equity in the, in the peacock. But yeah. uh, television... Uh, broadcast television in particular. Let's let's sort that out for us, if you would, Alex, for 2012. First of all, what do we need to name Comcast for at all? Why don't I, why don't I call the whole thing just NBC Universal? Yeah. But that's yeah, well, yeah, I guess because Comcast bought them and there's an ego attachment to all that, right? <laughs> I guess. So anyway, uh, you know, NBC uh, was a great network back in the 80s uh, into the 90s. I remember must-see TV and uh, all those big hits, Seinfeld, and so yeah. forth, and Seinfeld, and then they fell into hard times. And in recent years, they've been uh, fourth out of the big four broadcast networks uh, all too often, and they've had a number of changes in management uh, way too often. Uh, but the last couple of years, they've stabilized, and now under Comcast, and with Bob Greenblatt running the entertainment operations, uh, they're actually starting to look better and. Uh, you know, uh, turning around a network is sort of like turning around a cruise ship in the middle of the Panama Canal. It's uh, not easy, and it's <laughs> never all that pretty. Uh, but in this case, NBC is actually showing some signs of life. So after about 11 or 12 weeks of this broadcast season, NBC is actually in the first place among adults 18 to 49. Now, that's not total ratings. CBS is ahead for the season in total ratings. Uh, but mm. the reason that's important is that's how they sell the advertising. Uh, people don't buy total ratings. They buy the demographic group, and they buy mostly the 18- to 49-year-old uh, viewers. And so NBC being number one in that is really kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, CBS is second in that demographic, uh, not that far behind them. ABC is third, Fox is fourth, and uh, the CW is definitely uh, trailing behind them all. Among total total viewers, CBS is ahead for the season, averaging a little over 11 million viewers a night. ABC second with about 8.9 million, NBC with about 8.8 million, Fox about 6.8 million, and CW, as I said, trails with 1.8 million, way behind everybody else. So uh, good for NBC. One of the things that's really helping them is Monday night, uh, Sunday night football. Uh, it's really been uh, dominant. Every time it goes on, it wins its time period, wins the night. Uh, another big surprise has been the voice. Uh, which even up up against stiff competition like the X Factor and other stuff, has uh, for whatever reason become a show that people like and want to watch, and uh, and it's really been a big help for NBC in raising their ratings. And what's nice is when you have those kind of shows is you can promote your other shows, and then people have awareness, and then maybe they'll sample them, and then it can help build the whole schedule. So uh, you know the best promotion you can have is on your own air, but if nobody's watching, it's not very good. But when NBC becomes a leader, it's great. 
What about the debacle that was the Today Show and uh, Willie Geist coming into the picture and Matt Lauer seeming to kind of fade uh, fade to uh, to the background. Do you see that as well, Alex? Well, you know, the Today Show has gone through a lot of difficult times and uh, for the first time in many years is running behind the uh, Good Morning America on ABC and the ratings. Uh, you know, both in total viewers and in adults, Good Morning America has been edging ahead of the Today Show after many years. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, some of the changes there and how they've been handled. Uh, as well as the selections and what the shows are doing. And Good Morning America is putting on a good show. And, uh, and ABC is very good about, like, when they have a winner of Dancing with the Stars, of having that winner on uh, the Good Morning America show the next day and, uh, and, you know, working it back and forth. And their news department uh, has also shown a lot of life. So, uh, you know, NBC for many years was a dominant carrier in the early morning with Good Morning America, I mean, with uh, Today Show, and at night with The Tonight Show. And The Tonight Show is still up there. It's not necessarily the market leader every night, but Jay Leno's doing okay. But that's become, becoming ever more competitive. You know, in January, uh, we have Jimmy Kimmel moving to 11.35. So uh, going head-to-head with Letterman and with Leno. And uh, next fall, you're going to have Arsenio Hall coming in with a late-night show at about 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and of course, you have Conan O'Brien doing, uh, sucking off a lot of the younger audience over on, uh, on cable. Uh, so it's a very competitive market, and I think if I'm the Today Show right now, they've just changed executive producers, they've been changing cast members, they gave Matt Lauer a big contract, but now uh, I don't know how good an idea it was. He's an interesting guy, but is that really why people tune in? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, these are hard questions and very expensive to answer. Yeah. You know, Willie Geist was moved on into, what, second or third hour, and, and uh, Matt's still heading up the program with uh, uh, Savannah Guthrie. But I guess looking back on it, um, Alex, you tell me, but Ann Curry being the fall guy for, you know, sagging ratings, obviously it didn't help. Uh, Good Morning America still is uh, beating the Today Show. Uh, Savannah Guthrie, I, I'm okay with her, and I think most viewers are, but sure. it was a missed call on thinking that Ann was the problem, and, and what's, what's your take on this? Was It wasn't handled very well either, I don't think. Well, I never really thought Ann Curry was a great choice. Uh, she's not that magnetic a personality, but the way they handled taking her off the air was a disaster. It was insulting. It was too abrupt. Uh, and those people who were just getting used to her, suddenly it was like getting a slap in the face. I think they could have handled it worse. And uh, Savannah Guthrie, uh, you know, I'm not, I have nothing against the woman, but uh, she's not magic either. Uh, right. It takes a long time for people to get to know these personalities. The thing about uh, particularly a morning TV show is it's not about what you did today. It's about what you did this year, last year, the year before. And uh, people get up, they have that cup of coffee, and they decide who's going to give them their morning briefing, who's going to entertain them while they're getting ready for work or getting the kids off to school. And it's a very personal relationship. And that's the difference between TV and movies. In TV, people really feel like they know these characters. Uh, you remember in the old days with Johnny Carson. People felt like Johnny Carson was their personal friend. They knew him better than they knew their next-door neighbor. Yeah. Uh, it's still that way, and that's really how people select. And if you, and you know, I, change I, I was going to say, if you, if you watch uh, the program, the Today Show, and I do, uh, that's why they spend some time developing those relationships and spending uh, segments, uh, you know, featuring these new 
uh, on air, on on screen, uh, sure. on air, I should say, on camera, uh, personalities that the public are not familiar with, and they do a little background and where they come from and family and so forth. Uh, it's an interesting time we live in and where they take time to promote who it is that you're viewing so that you can become more engaged, I guess, with that particular personality. A little sidebar, a lot of people don't realize Willie Geist, son of CBS, Bob Geist. Yes. Uh, great uh, and a nice, uh, a great I think a nice addition to the Today Show. I, I, I see him following uh, Matt uh, maybe sooner than later. You may yeah, be I think right. He still does that MSNBC Morning Joe show as well, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I think he's still co-hosting that. Oh, okay. He's obviously comfortable in front of the camera, and his father, yeah. being a longtime TV journalist, is probably has a lot to to do with that. You know, let's keep cable off to the side and stay with broadcast for a moment, uh, and let's talk a little bit about. Uh, we covered uh, uh, the morning talk programs. Let's talk a little bit about daytime and. Also, perhaps you can touch on TV sports broadcast rights. Okay, well, uh, I recently did a big story about soap operas, and I was stunned to see uh, how things have been going. Because only a year ago, you know, we all read these stories about the death of soap operas, how they weren't going to be around anymore. And uh, some of the shows, uh, you know, were canceled that had been on the air for many years. There's now basically four major shows left out. General Hospital on ABC, Young and the Restless on CBS, Bold and Beautiful on CBS and Days of Our Lives on NBC. And a year after they all were supposed to become extinct, they're all doing better. And the ratings are up. I'll give you uh, the example of uh, 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 General Hospital. Uh, for the 2011-2012 season, it attracted about 2.17 million people a day. Uh, this year it's attracting 2.3 million people a day. Uh, and it's not a huge increase, but it's an increase. And every one of those shows has seen an uptick in viewership in the households and, for the most part, in the key demos as well. Uh, why is that happening? I actually interviewed the producer of General Hospital and asked him that question. He said, well, uh, first of all, you've had a consolidation of the audience. People who are watching all these different soap operas are still fans of soap operas. Another thing that helps is the DVR. A lot of women who work are able to easily record the shows and watch them later. And over 30% of the viewing of soap operas is now done after the show actually initially airs. But he said also they're changing the storylines to make them more contemporary, to make them move faster. Uh, the rule of thumb in soaps used to be you build up all week and have a big climax on Friday. He said now you try to have a climax every day, have surprises, have things happening. Uh, and so people, you know, can come in any time and, and watch it. So uh, the soap opera genre, which was supposed to be dead, instead, guys, is very much alive. And does syndication have any impact on, on the uh, soaps these days? Well, syndication always has an impact. Of course, you got uh, the new talk show, Katie, came on. There were actually five new talk shows that came on this year. Katie and Steve Harvey are doing okay. Uh, Steve Harvey recently hit new highs, and Katie has been pretty solid. Uh, the Ricky Lake show, unfortunately, and, uh, and some of the others aren't doing as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, the top shows in syndication last, seems like, forever. Uh, you know, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Uh, Judge Judy is still the top show in syndication. Wow. Uh, and they have tremendous audiences. Judge Judy has an audience of something over 9 million people a day, uh, which is very impressive for that medium. Uh, but, uh, you know, you also have uh, a move to reality shows and cheaper talk shows. So you saw The Talk, uh, which is kind of a clone of The View. Uh, mm -hmm. And we've seen uh, The Chew come on and actually starting to get some decent ratings. 
Um, so daytime is changing. Who watches it has been changing. Uh, you know, there was a joke about why the Maury Show did so well this season. They said, well, the ratings from the Maury Show, which has been around many, many years, went up this year, and you could watch as the unemployment rate went up, so did the ratings for the Maury Show. Because <laughs> there were more people at home to watch it. Of course. And the talk, uh, the fact that the uh, host or hostess, if you want to call it that, is the wife of CBS, Les Moonves, does that have any uh, influence well, it certainly, there? Uh, probably helped get it on the air, but I happen to be a big fan of Julie Chen. I think she's a lovely lady, uh, very professional. Uh, you know, it's one thing to, to get the door open, and Les Moonves can do that for his wife. It's another to keep her there. If the ratings were a disaster, if she was a disaster, she wouldn't still be there. So... Uh, I think you got to give Julie Chen some credit. You know, she's also the host of Big Brother. She's a very personable lady and uh, and now a new mother, uh, bringing less a new generation, uh, a child, a son. Uh, and I think that uh, she is a talent in her own right. And look, if we're going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, people getting their foot in the door because they have famous relatives or somebody else is in the business, there's a whole lot of that going on. You just talked about Willie Geist. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, another case where I'm sure his dad was able to help him early in his career. But if he goes on the air and he doesn't look and sound right, they're not going to leave him on the air. Sure. It just isn't going to happen. So uh, God bless Julie Chen. Mm-hmm. So, Ray, should I say let's kick off next segment with TV sports or let's tackle the subject next segment? I'm going How to tackle, I? Alex. Tackle. No, I'm, that would be uh, no. <laughs> we don't want to tackle Alex. All I know is write a very big check, or else we're not going to talk about it. Uh, okay, that sounds like... I'll handle Brad, Brad. Would you go ahead It'll be that? the same check size that we sent you last month, Alex. Oh, just wow. so. Okay, well, that'll get me all the way to uh, the men's room. Alert your accountant. Lots of zeros. No decimal point, but lots of zeros. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest this weekend is the uh, show business historian, broadcaster, author, and industry journalist, senior editor at The Hollywood Reporter. Alex Ben Block will continue here in just a minute. It's a good thing you're here this weekend at the advertising show because we also have for you Alex Ben Block, the senior editor at The Hollywood Reporter and a frequent guest and reporter on this show, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth as we're talking about all different sorts of uh, show business happenings for 2012 as we get very, very close to the end of the year. Alex, uh, always a pleasure to have you here at the advertising show. Thanks so much. I guess uh, broadcast rights for TV sports has gone even higher than it had in past years. What uh, is it just kind of like the uh, award shows? It's one of the last... Uh, programs out there that actually cuts across a variety of demographics and can bring huge audiences these days with such narrow programs that we see out there? What's going well, on Well, you know, Alex? that's part of it, but it really it's about being live programming. Uh, very few people want to watch a sports event uh, on uh, the DVR three days later uh, because by then somebody's already told them who won or lost or they yeah, see right. it somewhere. It can be pretty boring, and so... Uh, live sports is one of the few places where you can attract a huge audience, and advertisers can be sure that you might actually hang around and watch their commercials either between segments or sometimes during the segment when they run the name of the product in some way, uh, you know, or the uh, they've spent money to name the field or the bowl or whatever. Uh, so there's enormous amounts of money pouring into these things. Uh, and I think the beginning of the new era really began uh, in the end of December of 2011. 
and that's when the National Football League signed a record-setting new TV deal with Fox, NBC, and CBS, uh, in which they're paying $28 billion over nine years. So let's break that down a little bit. It comes to an average of about $3.1 billion a year, and that was a 63% increase over what they had been paying previously, which was about $1.9 billion. So uh, football is the premier sport, gets the biggest ratings, gets the biggest money, but it was uh, symbolic in that it set the pace for everybody. And then, of course, the NBA got a new television contract that runs through the 2015-2016 season, and uh, the NBA is going to receive about $930 million a year for broadcast rights. That's 20% up from the average of about $767 million they had been getting. So that was good. But then comes baseball. And I don't know how you feel about baseball. I like local baseball. I like to watch my team. But it's never been a great national sport. It's mm-hmm. never been one that, uh, oh, i got to go watch the uh, Cleveland Indian game today. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's different. If you're it's Cleveland local Indian or regional, fan, right? uh, you know, it's great. And yet, uh, what happens... Uh, Back in August, first ESPN announces that it's made a deal with Major League Baseball, not even for the primary uh, games, uh, for huge money. And then in September, you had uh, Major League Baseball doing separate eight-year deals with Fox Sports and Turner Sports running through about the 2021 season. Fox is going to be paying about $4 billion over eight years. That's about $500 million a year. Turner uh, is going to pay about $2.8 billion over eight years, more than $300 million a year. Uh, Fox and TBS uh, essentially get the same as they had, but they're paying a lot more for it. And Fox remains kind of the primary uh, user here. Uh, And uh, the new NBC network wanted to be in there, but they got outbid. And CBS thought about being in there, but they got outbid. Uh, And, uh, in fact, uh, sports rights continue to go up. Here in Southern California, we've seen this amazing thing where the rights to the Laker games uh, sold for $3 billion under a 20-year contract. Uh, and moved to a cable TV channel, and now we're waiting for the finalization of a deal for the Dodgers, not even the national contract, the local Dodger station contract for cable TV for a $6 billion uh, 25-year deal, uh, and maybe even more than that. So, uh, you know, the question becomes, if you watch cable or satellite TV, who's going to pay for this? It's not the operator. Ultimately, the consumer pays for it. If you're Mm -hmm. a big sports fan, that's okay. So DirecTV recently, for instance, added a $3 surcharge to a number of their packages to cover at least some of the increasing sports rights fees. If you don't want to take that, you can take what they call the entertainment package. It's actually the least expensive package, and it only includes ESPN, but none of these other channels, none of the regional channels and so forth. So, uh, you know, big money for sports uh, we've seen leads to a lot of bigger player salaries and uh, a lot of other changes in sports, but it's also changing what's going on uh, for those of us who have to pay the bills for all of this. And uh, and if you love sports, it's, I guess, a good thing. If you don't sure. love sports, then you're probably one of those people screaming, why can't I buy a la carte? Why can't I just yeah. buy what I want? Makes sense. The answer is the, the courts say that the guys who sell you cable TV have the right to sell it the way they want to sell it. If they want to sell you a bucket full of channels, uh, you either buy them or don't buy them. Nobody's forcing you to buy them. But they, you can't force Comcast or Time Warner Cable to just sell you the one you want. Yeah. Well, as you're touching on uh, cable as it relates to sports, you, uh, I guess you didn't mention the NFL cable network, which now has a, a few games throughout the 
NFL season. Well, I would expect them to I go mean, in the direction that ESPN has successfully and broaden their uh, acquisition of games. But let's talk a little bit about cable. But before you bring us up to date on this past year's hottest entertainment shows on cable, Alex, I understand we have big changes in store for us at uh, CNN next year. Well, uh, CNN has gone through a very hard times. As you may know, Fox News is the top cable TV news provider during the election when there were debates or things happened. They got the largest audience. Uh, you know, it used to be when we had the big three in, uh, in television, uh, those three were so important that they had to serve everybody. Now we have the big thousand, and, uh, and everybody can go to the one that agrees with them or matches their opinion. And so we've seen a big change in people who uh, believe that Fox News is correct in their, what I would call, conservative point of view, want to hear commentators who agree with them. Uh, and uh, those who don't, uh, MSNBC has emerged as the alternative for the more liberal and democratic group. But CNN was left in the middle. They're the ones who just want to be straight news, and sometimes uh, that's interesting. If something happens, people, oh, let's go to CNN and see, you know, the, the world is on fire. We want to see what's going on. But the rest of the time, they're not watching, and that's a very bad model for business. Sure. So after it's like a the long weather channel, search, right? Yeah. After a long search, uh, they hired Jeff Zucker, who most recently created the show Katie. Before that was the CEO of NBC Universal. Uh, back in the day, he ran NBC, and before that, the Today Show. Um, and he's a very clever guy and, uh, and, you know, knows a lot about media. And he's not an obvious choice, even though he's run some news operations. And I think uh, they're looking to go more broadly into entertainment and uh, to see if, uh, you know, maybe in entertainment, uh, even though it's cross with news, they can attract enough audience the rest of the time that uh, they'll be successful. Because at the moment, uh, Pierce Morgan is not doing what Larry King did. Uh, very few of their shows are really up there in the way that they had hoped they would be. Uh, and so it's been a hard time for CNN and I think uh, Zucker arrives in mid-January. I think you're going to see significant changes in the programming and in the personnel on that network in the coming year. According to, uh, according to a report there, it says Zucker is uh, focused on boosting ratings and primetime hours and mulling apparently uh, moving Piers Morgan to, to late night. Is that a smart move or what? Well, you know, I think he's going to be moving some stuff around. There's a lot of talk at this point about him uh, redoing the morning show to try and be more competitive in the morning. Uh, you know, I, I think Piers Morgan, I don't have anything against the guy, but I didn't think he was a very good choice, and I don't think he's really uh, caught on the way that uh, Larry King uh, became part of the culture. I don't think people are saying, oh, i got to get that Piers Morgan interview. i got to see that tonight. Uh, you know, you used to hear people say, oh, i got to watch Larry King tonight because he's got so-and-so on. And even though it might be a puffball interview, you know that you get to see him squirm a little bit in the chair, and so that was interesting. But, uh, you know, they need more strong personalities. Anderson Cooper is a good personality, but... Uh, you know, his syndicated talk show is going off the air because it couldn't attract a big enough audience. Uh, you know, they've got uh, they've got some other good people, uh, Wolf Blitzer, for instance. But uh, it's very difficult to attract people unless there's something big going on. Otherwise, they just go and listen to people who say what they want to hear. Well, a special guest we have here in the studio. Uh, go ahead. Cincinnati, are you there? Go ahead, caller. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, good. Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, some of the big entertainment programs on cable. I think when people think of the winners of entertainment on cable, immediately they think of the uh, 
the big advertising program, uh, Mad Men, but there's a lot more happening out there than just that program for cable these days, right? Well, that's for sure. You know, there's a lot of sports on cable that does very well. Uh, the top shows on cable during football season are often the uh, Monday night football or the Thursday night football on the, uh, uh, on the NFL network. But among entertainment shows, uh, Rizzoli and Hiles on TNT does very well. Uh, Sons of Anarchy on FX is almost a phenomena. It does so well. Uh, you know, uh, you got reruns of Big Bang Theory that are endless, of course. Uh, there's a show called Duck Dynasty that's uh, <laughs> doing surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Gold Rush on uh, the Discovery Channel does well. Uh, Secret of the Wings, which is uh, uh, also on one of the Discovery Channels. Uh, among the kids' shows, they can't beat SpongeBob on Nickelodeon, even though Nickelodeon has run into trouble and it's down about 30% from its all-time high. And actually, uh, beginning this in the past couple of months, Nickelodeon's putting on more new shows than they ever have in their entire history, trying to regain uh, their share of the market again. But part of the problem, and I don't know how you feel about it, is this streaming services like Netflix, that uh, mm-hmm. they run uh, SpongeBob old episodes endlessly, and if you've got a three- or four-year-old, I'm not sure they know the difference between the old episodes and the new episodes. <laughs> and if that's what they like, they can go watch it on Netflix. They don't need Nickelodeon. Uh, and they can watch sometimes more easily and, uh, and when, as much as they want when they want. So uh, you know, there's a lot of choices in television and media today. It's a much trickier landscape than it's ever been. But cable is more competitive. They have more good shows. It used to be there was the occasional show on cable. Now they really are competitive with the shows that are on broadcast. And they, uh, there's a lot of good stuff on cable. You know, last uh, show, last week, you, you touched on career impact on a negative scale, that having to do with uh, Lohan and Schwarzenegger. On a positive note, and staying with, I guess, the small screen, uh, there's a couple of, couple three good stories out there that have had uh, an upside to them as far as uh, career. Can you talk a little bit about that, Alex? Uh, absolutely. You know, I mentioned Netflix. I think you've got to talk about how they've grown, and now they're becoming competitive as a pay TV service right up there with HBO and Showtime. They recently made a very big important deal. They're going to carry all of the first-run major theatrical movies from the Walt Disney Company, animation and live action, will, uh, and won't go to HBO first, won't go to Showtime, won't go to Epix. They're going to go to Netflix. Oh. Uh, in addition, of course, Netflix, with their technology, has uh, you know, uh, licensed a great amount of library. And uh, a lot of that library stuff is fresh to a new generation. And, uh, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, it's very competitive in the format. If you, once you set it up and you're getting Netflix, it's very easy to watch these serialized dramas, not one, but one after another. They're also coming out with uh, first-run uh, new scripted shows that they're financing. Uh, and so uh, they become a real factor. And, of course, you have Amazon copying them or at least doing something similar. And you have several others who are trying to do similar things. And your video on demand has become much bigger and much more important. A lot of people now actually use video on demand uh, to choose what shows they want to watch so they're not watching what's in pattern and on schedule. So, uh, you know, it's a world of choices, and it makes it much more competitive in a marketing and advertising sense. You know, as we wrap up this uh, second show uh, covering the entertainment world for 2012, I guess uh, was it a a big year or uh, pretty much a common year for 
great talent from the entertainment world that we lost last year. Can you remind us of some of the names that maybe, you know, I don't know about you, Alex and Ray, but every year when I see that list uh, mm-hmm. from the uh, award shows that usually do an in memoriam, it's like, wow, I forgot that or I didn't even know that person yeah, passed away. Yeah. 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 Well, let me throw some names out for you. Uh, Andy Griffith. Right. Uh, of course, uh, you know, had the great Andy Griffith show, which goes on endlessly in reruns, and Matlock. Uh, and uh, really, in my entire lifetime, he had always been an important character. Uh, you know, we lost Dick Clark, who uh, both uh, in front of the camera, uh, you know, was quite famous, uh, you know, as the, the eternal teenager, but behind the scenes built a big and powerful entertainment company that has the American Country Music Awards and the Golden Globe Awards, that they uh, distribute. Uh, you know, he was another big loss. In the music world, Donna Summer, who at one time uh, you no. know, was the queen of disco back in the 70s. Uh, Ernie Borgnine, the Academy Award winner, passed away. Uh, you know, uh, Larry Hagman, uh, we've been talking about recently, uh, you know, he starred on the old Dallas and the new Dallas and uh, was quite the character and uh, really uh, quite a great guy. We lost Mike Wallace, who arguably uh, someone in the news business uh, set the standard for all newsmen around the world for a long time to come and, uh, and asked the hard questions when nobody else was asking them. Uh, Phyllis Diller, the comic, passed away. Nor Ephron, who uh, was a great screenwriter and wrote uh, uh, Silkwood among many movies and, and was very well known. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Scott, the director, passed away. Uh, Whitney Houston, uh, the great singer, of course. Uh, and those are just some of them uh, in a year that saw the passing of some really important people who really were part of the fabric of our lives. You and, know, Ray, before I uh, finish my end here, I wanted to mention that I had asked Alex off-air what he wanted to be remembered for, you know, at some later date when they were doing his uh, obituary and in memoriam, and he said that he was on the advertising show regularly. I thought that was interesting. I, I would actually believe Alex would say that too, because because he's. I'm not a sure it'll go fit on my tombstone, but I'm always happy to be here. <laughs> well, we can abbreviate. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Hey, we'll Alex, buy an, one. We'll buy extra, go ahead, we'll buy extra go, space, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead, Brad. Please repeat the question. I said we'll buy extra space on your tombstone. To, <laughs> we'll get it sponsored by someone. I'm not sure who yet. There you go. Let's not talk tombstones, guys. Let's talk about next year and the fact that we're going to have Alex back a whole bunch of times as well as we continue here in the advertising show into 2013 with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Alex, you've made our holiday here even better by your presence, and we appreciate you stopping by. Ray and Brad, it's always a pleasure. I want to wish you and your audience a very happy holiday and a very healthy and successful year ahead. Thanks a bunch, Alex. Thank you, Alex. And as we wrap up efforts here on the advertising show on what is about to be almost the night before Christmas, we want to send a wish to you, a very, very happy holiday wish, and a Merry Christmas as well. Hope 2012 has been a good year for you, and hope 2013 will be even better. Thanks to our supporters, our partners. Ed Schippel and his crew in Houston have been our uh, wonderful uh, web partners uh, for for so many years now. Schippel.com is the place if you want to check out their capabilities. They are the best in the business. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And Merry Christmas to you. Also want to say thanks to you for listening all throughout the years. We'll continue to bring not only encore shows, but uh, but, uh, more uh, live shows as well as we move into 
2013 and uh, a brand new time for the advertising show as well. So thanks to you for listening. Tell a friend to listen to too, would you? Thanks. The advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adh.com. The advertising show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Merry Christmas. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications. And it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.